0: Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This talk continues week four of our series, The Story. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Our main character today is Moses. And our upper story statement, or the big idea of what God is doing, is that God watched over Moses and his people. And we're going to unpack some of that today. But God also watches over me as well. And that's really good news for all of us. God watched over Moses and his people, but God watches over me too. The lower story then, or the different events that are happening on earth are the different dramatic events that surround the life of Moses. I think most people, even those who may not have a great understanding of the Bible, are aware of who Moses is, thanks to Hollywood and Charlton Heston, probably. But we have this baseline understanding of some of the things that happened to Moses. Moses is the guy who stepped into Egypt and approached one of the most powerful leaders in the world to say, you got to let God's people go. We also know that Moses is involved in the dramatic crossing of the Red Sea. He's right there. And of course, God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments. Moses is a really big deal. And these are the things that we know about him. These are the things that make Noah a very popular person in the Bible as well as outside of the Bible. But before those events, before he confronts Pharaoh, before the crossing of the Red Sea and before the Ten Commandments, there is another event that precedes that, that is equally as dramatic. And it's not something as well known and not something that we talk about nearly as much, but we're going to talk about it today. And it's one of those things that when you begin to read and when you begin to investigate this, it kind of makes you sit up and say, What's happening here? So it sounds like this, Exodus chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 24. Here's what it says, on the way to Egypt. I'm going to pause there just to remind us of a few things. Moses is about to go back to his hometown of sorts where he was born and raised He spent 40 years there, and then as we heard in the story, he committed a murder and then had to flee for his life. Well, that takes another 40 years of his life where he is in hiding. So at the time of this writing, Moses is 80 years old. Scripture tells us that Moses lives to 120. So he actually has another 40 years to perform different things, and God accomplishes quite a bit in the last 40 years of his life but at this time as we walk through this Moses is 80 years old he's not a young man on the way to Egypt at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night the Lord confronted him the Lord confronted him it's a very interesting phrase And when you continue to read in chapter 4 here, what you find and discover is that God is angry at Moses. He is very upset with him, and he has this acerbic reaction to what Moses hasn't done. And guess who steps in and saves the day? Guess who rescues Moses and saves him? It's Moses' wife. And her name is Zipporah. She steps in and she saves the day. It is quite a remarkable story. So here's what's happening. Moses is on his way to Egypt to step into Pharaoh's court and demand that he let God's people go. But there was an area of Moses' life where he wasn't being fully compliant with God. There was this thing happening where he wasn't fully obedient to what God had asked of him. Well, what is this thing? What is this circumstance? And nobody else probably even knew about this, except for God and Zipporah, his wife. So what is this thing? What is this circumstance? Well, actually, this is also something that we don't talk a lot about in church as well, but the thing that was the problem was circumcision. That's always a great topic to talk about, isn't it? Well, here's kind of what's happening with that. In Genesis chapter 17, God approaches Abraham. And we talked about this in week two of the story. And God comes to Abraham and he makes a deal with Abraham. I want to give you a contract. I want to make a covenant with you. It's known as the Abrahamic covenant where God said, I'm going to give you land. And I'm also going to give you many descendants and the world will be blessed through you and your seed, Abraham. That's what's going to happen. That's my deal with you. That's my covenant. Well, what we find in Genesis 17 is that the mark of the covenant was circumcision. Now, that might not make a lot of sense to us. And why would God demand that? Why would God ask that? But that's just what he did. That's what he wanted, and that's what his people did for many years. And then all of a sudden, here comes Moses. And what we find here is that he has one son who is not compliant, and the responsibility of that fell on the shoulders of Moses. God's really angry, and things aren't looking good. Zipporah is aware of this. And so she takes matters into her own hands... Literally, and she grabs a knife and pain enters the story. She circumcises her son. Now, I want you to put all of that aside for a moment, if you can kind of just put that over here, because there is a bigger picture of what is happening. And the bigger picture here is that Zipporah rescues Moses, she saves him and his work, and his reputation. Because of Zipporah, and her step of faith, and her leadership, and her wise choice, she helped Moses become compliant with God. It's really a remarkable thing here. She saves, and she rescues Moses. Think about this. If Zipporah doesn't take that bold step, if she doesn't make that wise choice... Moses doesn't make it to Egypt. If he doesn't get to Egypt, he never confronts Pharaoh. If he never confronts Pharaoh, and just let all of that cascade for a moment. So is an instrumental figure in the grand narrative of God because she saves Moses. She rescues him. And that brings up a very interesting thought. And that is, what are we doing? What are you doing? What am I doing to help the people around us become fully obedient to what God wants? See, I think we all need to think about this, and we all have a responsibility with this. In terms of the people around us, our family, and the ones that we love, what are we doing to help them become fully obedient to God? There is a real sense that when we take that kind of step, we have the ability to rescue people. And that's exactly what Zipporah does here. Her wise choice, her bold step rescues Moses, and she's part of this grand story. And I think we've got to be thinking about what are we doing with the people around us to help them become obedient to God? How are we challenging them in doing that? We might actually rescue people. It's an amazing thing. So... Moses obeys now, he becomes compliant, and he is on his way to Egypt. What happens next is he gets into Pharaoh's court and he looks at this powerful world leader and says, God gave me a message. He wants you to let all of the Israelites go. And Moses or Pharaoh says, No, no, I'm not going to do that. They are my slaves. And I am building a world empire on their backs. I'm not going to let them go. That is not going to happen. Not today. Not under my leadership. Well, God begins to work through Moses to unleash 10 different plagues on Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt to persuade Pharaoh to let God's people go. What's really interesting about the 10 plagues, they're not just random plagues. Like, let's just send in a bunch of frogs. Because everybody hates frogs. And when Pharaoh sees millions of frogs crawling all over Egypt, he'll cave and he'll say, get out, please. No, it's not exactly what happened. These plagues were carefully choreographed to defeat the different Egyptian gods. And the God of Israel wanted everyone to know that he was the mightiest. As you read about these different plagues on the screen i want you to think about this at this particular time in the ancient world there were no atheists that really wasn't a thing everyone believed in a god or gods the question became who's the mightiest who's the strongest god who's the most able the most powerful And the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, said, oh, well, that would be me. And I can pull that off, and I'm going to prove it by unleashing these different plagues, again, that were choreographed to defeat the different Egyptian gods so that everybody would know the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, is very powerful. One note of interest, the 10th plague is a central and vital clue in the story. The 10th plague involved God's people applying the blood of a lamb or a goat to the doorposts of their homes in Egypt so that the death angel would pass over their home. Jews today still celebrate the Passover. It's a significant historical event in their lives. And for followers of Jesus, it gives us a sneak peek at how God would pay for the sins of the world. He would provide a sacrifice. See, this is God reaching out to rescue what he loves the most, people. And this is his plan. This is his way. Well, we read more about the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. And here's what we discover. In verse 21 it says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together. And said to them, go, pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin. Then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your houses. And no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and to strike you down. Verse 28. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. They were being compliant. They were being completely obedient. And I'd like to think at this point that Moses went back to his wife, Zipporah, and said, thank you. Thank you for helping me become compliant so that I can lead with integrity. It doesn't say that happened in scripture here, but I'd like to think he went back to her and said, thank you so much, because we are about to experience a great thing You know, from the lower story perspective, which is all that we can see, this is kind of a disturbing story. It really is. There's a lot of blood and death, and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But what's happening here is we're getting a picture of how God rescues people, and he does it through a sacrifice. And this whole thing is pointing to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who with his blood paid for the sins of the world. That's what's coming. That's where we're moving with the story. So there's a lot of pain in the land of Egypt, and here's what we read in verse 31. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night... Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. And that night, the people of Israel left Ramesses and started for Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men plus all the women and children. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day. Of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. And the new nation left Egypt under the undeniable power of God as displayed in the plagues. As well as the eventual crossing of the Red Sea. And they knew, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, they just knew God is with us. God, He is with us. And yeah, this took a long time, but He is the most powerful God, and we are on our way. God is with us. What about my story? As we think about what we've read in Exodus chapter 4 and Zipporah rescuing Moses, and then in chapter 12, the Passover and the plagues and everything that God did here. What about my story? How can we apply this to our lives today? I got two thoughts. Number one, trust in the one who can set you free. That's a reality. And something that I want every single person in this room to consider, that you can trust in the one who can set you free. One of the things that we learn from the book of Exodus is that God's people were enslaved, which is a terrible thing. But actually were enslaved too. Scripture makes it very clear that we are enslaved to sin and sin is something that keeps us from God. It blocks the way. It's a big problem. And God wants to be with us. He wants us to be free. But the only way we can be free and relieved from sin is the blood of the Lamb must be applied to the doorpost of our soul. Where do you find that these days? Well, actually, we read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Really amazing words here. Christ, he's our Passover lamb. And he's been sacrificed for you. He's been sacrificed for me. And what God is pointing to early in the story that comes to pass in the New Testament is that Jesus is this Passover lamb And it's his blood that was shed on the cross that needs to be applied to the doorframe of our soul. How? How? Well, I want to be as clear as I possibly can be on this because, again, it is a central part of the story. We apply the blood of Christ to the doorframe of our souls by trusting in Jesus alone. Simply trust. Simply trust. This is what we find over and over again in Scripture that when we trust in the work of Christ. We have a forever friendship with God when we embrace his leadership and forgiveness. He holds us in the palm of his hand and he will never let go. And we are forgiven and free. And that's a reality for everyone in here. And I want to give you the chance to do that today if that's something that has never happened to you before. You can trust in the one who can set you free. He has the ability to do that. Trust in the one. Trust in the one who can set you free. Secondly, God desires our obedience. He really does. He wants this. He longs for it. He desires our obedience. And so let me ask you this question. As we think about Zipporah and what she stepped into there and her wise choice, her bold leadership on behalf of of her husband and rescuing him and saving him from the wrath of God. Is there an area in your life. Where you are not being fully compliant with the wishes and demands of God. And maybe nobody knows about that. Like it's your secret. It's your thing. And you know what that's fine. Nobody else really has to know. You know and God knows. That there is this thing. Thing. And you might be willing to give up every other area of your life, but you want this, and you need to hang on to this, and you need this. What is the this for you? My encouragement and my challenge, based on what we discover here, and this is how we bring it into our story, is that you find that thing, and you take a bold step today, and you lay that at the feet of God and fully become compliant, become obedient. Because this is what opens up. God's favor in our lives and God's blessing and you need that you want that I need that and I want that but it will not come without being fully obedient to God so is there an area where you're kind of holding back and saying this is mine I'm going to keep this be willing to give that up and become fully obedient Exodus chapter 4 Kind of a bizarre little story there. And again, we know all about Moses and confronting Pharaoh and the crossing of the Red Sea. We know all about the Ten Commandments. But there's this event that almost sent the whole thing into craziness. And his wife made a wise choice, she was a bold leader. And she said, I'm going to help you get compliant. And God used all of that. So what are you doing to help the people around you become completely obedient? In doing that, you may rescue them. And the challenge for all of us, based on what we discover in Exodus chapter 12, is that God has a plan to rescue his people. It begins with a sacrifice. And it's pointing to the perfect and ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, which pays for the sins of the world. Trust in the one who can set you free and be willing to lay all of your stuff at his feet because he desires our obedience. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9, 15 or 11 a.m.